Hi, I'm Brandon. And if you're anything like me, you're afraid of the aux cord because anytime you get the aux cord, your friends say, who the f is this? This is Get Into The Groove, the podcast where we find a groove and we get into it. I am joined today by one of my favorite people. She's part of a well-balanced diet. It's Melissa. Hey. <laughs> Sorry, that was also my uh, my my cup scraping in the background there for a second. Did you get it? Sorry. You get your little tea? I did, it? but I, I took a drink as you started talking and had to freeze. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, I'm sorry. No. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> listen, let oh me ask Lord. you. No, let me ask you. Get it together. <laughs> you sound like it. Um, yep. Yeah, so today we're dealing with an artist that's obscure. Yeah. Hardly anybody knows them. What's your one, like, artist or band where you say, like, I love this person, and they're like, who? Um... Well, it's it's usually a toss up, but it, it, the one that surprises me that people don't know more of is Mika. Mika is an international pop. Star. I am always shocked when someone is like, "Oh yeah," because so many people are like, "Who?" and I'm like, "I'm sorry for you, and I wish I could help you live a better life, but I don't have time for that Not, today." That is surprising. It surprises me every time. <laughs> I was just going to say, don't get too far away from the mic. Was I far away from it? You just like backed your head up a oh, little I'm bit. Oh, I'm so sorry. Nah, it's good. It, you, sure it just like, it, you can tell it like starts to fade out. In the Got eye. it. Sorry. Yes. We are the worst. You and I. I'm too close. You're too far. It's just, it never. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> Moving right along. Also here with us, she is best served warm. It's Jajeen Genie. Hi. Hey. How you doing? I'm doing great. How's it going? Good. What's your one obscure artist? You know, I was pulling up my old Spotify to scroll through because I was like, what do I listen to that I think is <laughs> like super obscure? But I think the one that I get like the most hyped over or even that I've been hyped over lately is just Naked Giants in general. I don't think they're as well known as they should be. And I've told you about them. Yeah, you've mentioned them to I've me. I've mentioned times. them to you. But I don't think that they're like as well known by other people. I like I kind of get it. Like they're not the everyman music genre, but I gotta look it up. Gotta look they, it up. They they sit right with me. All right, Naked Giants. I'll put that in the in the old um, to do list. Um, and last but not least, I could have had a V eight. It's Colton Cox. <laughs> All right. All right. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> What's your obscure artist? Um, this I always kind of love this question because in high school and like the first part of college, I was like chasing the dragon of trying to find like the band that like nobody knew before they blew up, you know, trying to be that hipster. Uh, 
but now I think about all the stuff that I've listened to, and I'm just like, everybody knows who these people are. Like, Deer in the Headlights, I feel like everybody's heard of them. Nobody's heard of them. Nobody's heard of them. <laughs> you, um, you're the first person that I've met that has actually heard of them, <laughs> that has actually listened to them. Um, I'd say Deer Hoof. Precisely that expression. <laughs> okay. Uh, they're, you- a, they're a band that's been around since the 90s, um, and I uh, had the pleasure of seeing them open for Sean Lennon, in Oklahoma, mm. and I did not. No, I'm sorry. It was with of Montreal. Oh, um, but they are still good. Still good. Uh, a group. It's an international band. Um, they're they're they live in America, but they're uh, from around the world, and it's just really like experimental rock, noise rock type stuff. But they put on an amazing show. Like it, it was just crazy. It was yeah. Wow, dear yeah. hoof. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to talk about an obscure band um, today, um, and they're obscure because they were literally a flash in the pan. Mm-hmm. They had one album, they had a second Two album, albums. and then they said, "That's enough." They're only of it. Yeah, what'd you say? Six years. What, uh, how long were they together? Six I th- years. I think six years because they they released um, two thousand seven, two thousand eight were the only albums they put out. Yeah, yeah. They, but they got together in two thousand five and broke up in two thousand eleven. Yeah, yeah. So there you have it, in a nutshell. I feel like that's calling it a little late, but all right. 2011 rolls around. They're like, I guess it's been three years. We won't. We're <laughs> not putting they, anything they else had out, like boys. Ten songs ready to go on another <laughs> album, and just were like, Yeah, that's I, good for us. This one, um, I had to dig for the story a little bit more to find because you know they're not a very well-known band. Um, so I didn't have so much like history i could tie into it as some of the other stuff that we've done but i I found some little nuggets in there so well this album that we're talking about is called drunk like bible times um inviting and i'm i'm getting there you are you're working on it (laughs) okay (laughs) okay you know somebody told me to listen to this album in college one of my um i was in a sewing class um and this guy just randomly says Brandon, have you heard Deer in the Headlights? And I said, no, I have not. And so I promptly went home, researched them, listened to this album, Drunk Like Bible Times, and came back the next week. And I was like, Sean, this is the best. This is great. This is so good. And he said, oh, I actually don't listen to them. Their band name just sounds like somebody you'd listen to. (laughs) That's right. That's funny. You've told me that story a few times, and I I always forget the conclusion. (laughs) And so I have had nobody to talk to. I don't with. actually listen to them. But, you know, just like, just, thought, just, just thought you would. <laughs> so I haven't talked to anybody about this particular album until now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So we just get started. Should we just jump yeah. right into it? Yeah. The first track is um, a lengthy title and it is entitled I'm Not Crying. You're Not Crying, Are You? Must have been crying for the past 15 minutes. You know what, Colton? <laughs> I'm going to be honest. You recommended this to me before, and I I think I'm putting you in the position where I'm asking you to sell it to me because I... Yes! Oh, All right. There we go. I right. wasn't wild about it. All right. Here we go. Man. Wow. Sorry. What if, it's okay. all right. <laughs> There's no new apologies. I just... Uh, man, I always thought I had a little bit more universal music taste, but I guess I don't. <laughs> Well, okay, here's the thing. When I I remember when I first listened to this, like the first lick is like a really bassy like that that stuff. Like 
as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh shit, I'm going to hate this. Um, <laughs> but then the, the full band kicks in and you know, they go crazy and yeah. it, it's, I, I was eventually sold. Um, what were your initial like thoughts, Jeannie, Melissa? I think my thing is here's okay. So it sounded like a lot of, I guess, indie music that was kind of coming out at that yes. time. Yes. Yeah. Here's absolutely. the thing though. The big throwback to me, I felt like they sounded, do you remember razor light? Because I thought they had a very similar sound to razor light. No, I don't know. Razor light. Without being quite as fun. And here's the thing. Yes. I've heard people like kind of <laughs> oh shit on God. razor light, but I had one razor light album and I thought it was fun enough. And I think they were like I forgot they existed. English or something. You're right, though. Yeah, it was a fun enough album, See, but it had a really similar sound to this one. So oh. I got real hung up on that because I was like, oh, they sound real similar. I have not listened to Razor Light, so maybe I should if you if it's that. They're a little earlier than Deer in the Headlights, like just a scotch earlier, a few the years one earlier. That, you say Razor Light is more fun than Deer in the Headlights. Like that, their like sound is lyrically, more like, yeah, and overall okay. they brush a little more yeah, pop wise. This is brooding and. Very, yes, very dark. they're a little more pop wise, but like I feel like there was a really similar sound between the two, mm. which is kind of what I got hung up on. Um, the the comparison that I was not a fan of <laughs> was <laughs> Melissa, who brought up the red jumpsuit apparatus. I hated red jumpsuit. Oh my god! Apparatus. And she said this Listen, sounded. Oh. I didn't care for them, but also my brother had a room that was like we shared a wall, and he would sit in his room. Every night and play face down, loud as shit. Here's the deal. Over and over and I'm over, not like the whole that night. Even necessarily musically similar. It's the vibe. But the I vibe I got was <laughs> red jumpsuit apparatus meets the killers meets Mumford and Sons. You like you told me about this, meets- and you I in my head I'm like she's listing three of the bands that I least like. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> meet some strange weird <laughs> underground version of oh shit oh it's gone oh no <clears throat> oh no oh my god <laughs> wait I wrote this down I wrote this down somewhere <laughs> fallout boy oh <laughs> and oh then God. lyrically you literally just lyrically, added another band sorry, that I don't like but also <laughs> lyrically the entire album reminded me of Panic of the Disco if you were you can't spin oh. out the entire last half of that album that's what this album reminded me of lyrically no, which uh, wasn't a bad thing because I think you can't lyrically sweat out. that's fantastic it's yeah. just I, uh, you I, know, I I'm him, glad like, that the you... more lyrics you put in a song I'm gonna love it so I thought lyrically this was a fantastic album I'm not even shitting on it that way I'm just saying <laughs> that's the vibe I got so you can have your own opinion Mr. Over There with your laughing Mr. Over There I can get on that though like the lyric Listen, writing I still like, think it's funny scrolling through the lyrics and reading them I was like yeah okay okay I think that is truly the main selling point. Like their yeah. music is is instrumental, fun, but like, it's mm-hmm. like you said, it was everything that was coming out at the yeah. time. Like they yeah, it's just, kind of dated, I guess you could say. Yeah, for that. yeah, yeah. It is for sure. I can give you that. But um, I'm just saying it's the vibe, bro. I know, and I'm only <laughs> I'm only laughing just because like you literally <laughs> like listed all the bands that I I don't like from the 2000s. But that's that's how you view it, and I can't judge you for that. So well, listen, if you read the fir- the lyrics for the first track, they didn't like themselves either. No, so they didn't. Seems- no, they didn't. No. <laughs> Um, yeah, um, you're telling me about an article that you read the other day oh and God, the, yeah. the, the, the lyric in question. Oh, l- hold on. Let me. Okay. Yeah. 
And now some local loser with a tape and a badge wants you to answer from the list of pointless questions to ask. Yeah. Um, this, <sighs> this interviewer referenced that point in... That specific lyric, yeah. That specific lyric. <laughs> he, it, it was from some like local uh, Phoenix, because the, these guys are from Phoenix, Arizona. Um, um, some local guy writing an article, and he's like sh- shitting on bands in the local Phoenix sh- scene while he's talking about how great deer in the headlights are. And okay, it's just like, okay. I was going to say, this, I remember, I think I read this article and yeah. I remember there was an article that was like praising them. Cause they were essentially like, this is the big band we have out of Phoenix right now. Like, yeah. this is it, my guys. Um, yeah, that's basically what it was talking about. But it, it, it's literally like the whole article is this dude being just like a real snooty hipster and quoting, the exact part of the song that is like talking about him yeah <laughs> and not getting the irony it was it was it was nice nice read <laughs> so that 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 is like not a great introduction for the rest of the album they're <laughs> they're sad boys pissed off that they're playing um so I don't know. I guess as a listener, like, yeah, you really have to be like, okay, like, well, what, what is the point in me continuing through this album if you hate it so much? Um, go ahead. So this album, and I, I don't want to get stuck on this song for too long, but this is a perfect example of just like, they're, they're going to break up after this album. Like you can kind of hear it yeah. in, in the stuff, you know, part of why I like this album so much is because I felt, it's it's so moody for like the whole thing and then you get that last track that like it, there's this there's this undercurrent of optimism that is n- missing from a lot of like emo-ish music and yeah. i'd say it's more indie than emo but there yeah it's in there but that's kind of the thing that's always drawn me back to it is that there is this optimism underlying all of the like moody shit that he's talking about especially in um the next track bad news oh, yeah. that that lyric that cheeky lyric bad news for you haven't felt this way in a long time this was my favorite song you like bad, bad news, news was this my was favorite song off the album i liked fun. it yeah um and i know you said it, it was kind of I don't, I don't know if you've used the word love song but um, uh i i don't know that i see it as a love song but it I just have always liked that it's like supposed to be kind of a happy love song, but it's like also saying, I'm sorry. Yeah. You get to deal with this. Mess. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I think I'm going to point out some lyrics in every song. Um, so I'm going to read you some lyrics now. Um, in between. Co- oh shit. I can't read my own handwriting. Okay. In between coughing fits uh, and soon to be Heimlich bits of ideas, which uh, you could not yet digest, put that rag to your face, lay down, that's a better pace, go back to cliches like I should kill myself or I should lose some weight. I'm sure either way you'd feel the same. Wow. <laughs> and um, while reading these lyrics, I was like kind of confused like who he was like singing to because I was uh, like trying uh-huh. to look at it like as like a, a an optimistic love song, but maybe it's like to the listener themselves. Um, I don't know. Open to interpretation. And that's the whole gig is that um, Ian Metzger, mm-hmm. um, he made a decision not to explain any of these songs, mainly because like um, 
he said when fans have like asked for an explanation and he like gave them one they uh left disappointed because it didn't like meet their expectations or whatever so he yeah. just like did not made a point not to explain this album at all um it seems to be a recurring theme with him that like people make him out to be this bigger person than he actually is and it, i think that's part of why he struggled so much with doing this band was people they, they really built him up as this sort of like they put him on a pedestal there's yeah. sort of a pinnacle kind of issue going on with him yeah his is the only name that i saw referenced like i never saw any of the other band names mentioned in any of the articles i read or anything the only other one i saw was joel markard <laughs> and he's the the other founding member the guitar player mm-hmm. um he went on and did a band called gospel claws which i think that they i don't know they've done anything recently but um and ian mesker only did one more album that i know of um under a band name um the the good hits or something like I just, quiet hits the yeah. quiet quiet hits um correction the band we were trying to think of is called the gentle hits that's the second band that ian metzger founded you can find them on spotify or on porchpartyrecords.bandcamp.com okay back to it and they released something in 2016 and that's the last thing that he's done interesting so um yeah gets put on his pedestal yeah and uh couldn't take it didn't want to take it really i think um moving right along i suppose any other um comments about bad news for you haven't found this way in a long time um the next song is carl solomon blues and this is (laughs) where like everything becomes unhinged yes um does anybody know who Carl Solomon is? No, though I did mean to look it up, and then I... I have... Well, I only went through, like, a small Wikipedia article, um, and I was hoping maybe somebody would just have, like, this obscure information just resting in the back of their mind and mm-hmm. fill in the blanks for me. Um, but what I gathered is that he was a writer who's born in 1928. His dad died at 11, which had a profound effect on him for the rest of his life. Um, he graduated high school at 15... Um, went to City College of New York for a little bit, and then he joined the United States Maritime Service in 44. Um, that took him to Europe, and he was exposed to surrealism and data? Data. Dada. Dada. Dadaism. Yes. Mm. Nice. All that nonsense. Um, and he, there was, there was some, like, That's later period Dadaism, too. Uh, there was some Dada poet that he followed, um, and he saw their screaming poetry and like followed them till the ends of the earth. Um, and then he voluntarily institutionalized himself, which apparently is like a Dada symbol of defeat or like interesting recognizing that he failed. Um, and so he institutionalized himself um, and he went to the New York state psychiatric Institute where he met Allen Ginsberg and Allen Ginsberg dedicated the poem howl to Solomon. To Carl Solomon. To Carl, that's yes. nice. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, and that's that's it. Oh, and he had electroshock therapy. So maybe that's where the um, um, erratic nature of this song mm-hmm. comes from. But uh, lyrically, there de- I did not see any, but I did not, there weren't any like references to Carl Solomon no, in there. I didn't, mm. I, I know that I've looked up Carl Solomon at some point in time, and I didn't see any 
relation to it either. Um, perhaps it's just as indie bands did at the time in the mid two thousands, just a title that has absolutely nothing to do with. Well, I don't think it's like crazy out of the blue because there no. are a couple of lyrics where he says something like, um, in the first chorus, he says, uh, Benzedrine does something. Uh, Benzedrine, Benzedrine derailed rants of immeasurable frenetic praise um, that cauterize before they save. And I think like just the very fact, the, the fact that Carl Solomon had electroshock therapy, I think really like played a lot into this, this particular song. I, um, I might be weird for this one, but this is actually the song that got me hooked on this band. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something about the lyrics in the chorus, um, the um, shoulder-bladed nightmare, angel-headed elsewhere. I don't know. It's just... Rug pulled from your feet. It's just very, like, as most of his writing is, it's just very, like, visually descriptive, and it yes. just creates these, like, really strange images in your head juxtaposed like what the band is doing like, yes that line yes. specifically it seems like the there's there's some kind of ethereal thing going on with the music and the, the, the picture he is painting with the lyrics it's not it's not pleasant no um so that's just interesting yeah i um that's been my favorite thing about this band is that it makes it seem as if the songs are built around the lyrics because so many, like the band plays in unison with the lyricism a lot of the time. Um, but it's actually like they have the song and then he writes nonsense lyrics over it. Yes. And then goes back and like, it keeps some of it replaces it with other things. Uh, and then the band then adapts what they're doing to what is happening in the words. So it's like, it's interesting that the music comes first because yeah. the lyrics seem so. That's an interesting thing for you to point out because I think one of my big hangups is that it feels like both the lyrics and the singing is in like this constant combat with what's going on musically. Like I don't feel like either one of them gets a chance to step back and shine. Like it's mm. just a constant competition between the two. And it makes it, it was what made it hard for me to listen to. Like I couldn't focus. <sighs> instrumentally i wasn't into the song enough yeah and then like i couldn't overcome that to actually listen to the lyrics well enough to like dig into that so like i got he's real hung up on the screaming. two of them this yeah is, he's screaming hard, but the guitars are to. screaming right along with him yeah. this is um this is actually like i know for sure one of the reasons that i th- like this band and it's like weird that i like this band but i have always been incredibly impressed with his ability to weave all those words and and rhythms yeah and it's it's i know that it's not for everyone i've always known that it's not for everyone but just for me as someone who uh, writes lyrics i i could not imitate that like it's such a signature style and i've just i've never heard anyone else that sounds like this now now, whether that's a good or a bad thing that's left up for interpretation but Mm -hmm. like it's so incredibly unique and that's why i liked it so much because i just i've never heard yeah, the the music is very much like other indie bands that were happening at the time, but like I've always felt that his lyricism is what made this band stand out so much. Well, it's also probably why they put him on such a pedestal. Right. Because mm-hmm. I mean, like everyone hyped up him as like both what he brought as a vocalist, but as what he was doing as yeah. like, a lyricist. Yeah. But anyway, that was my favorite song. For a long time, it was my favorite song on this album. 
I think early on that was a song I, I skipped over because it was just like, whoa, <laughs> that's a lot. Um, but <clears throat> that song and all of its erratic behavior um, goes into Walita. This is the song, you guys. This is the only song that this album is worth. Okay, this song. This song is hard. So disagree. Freaking good. It is so good. That's this is the only one I played on repeat. This is the only well, no. one I was like, this is this is the song. No, I, I'm just disagreeing. One. I'm just disagreeing that this is the only song worth listening to this album for. Oh, I see. Okay, I see. what I'm saying is, if if I ran across this album like on a random playlist or whatever, this would be the only one I saved to my own stuff. Sure. Sure. Is it, tell, tell, give us more. What, what, what about it do you love? It's just, it's beautiful. It's oh. beautiful instrumentally, and it's beautiful lyrically. Like it's the, it's the only one that I felt full on, hundred percent went together. Like it was the one that just yeah. hit me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's just, I tend to, I tend to, me personally, I tend to to gravitate towards pretty much anything that is in the realm of the subject of death and this is so like literally a funeral spot on Mm -hmm. from that point of view that it was just it it is it's perfect it's perfectly written it's perfectly portrayed like i got every single without having to look up the lyrics i got what was what it was about before i had to look it up yeah which is which is difficult on this album because it's so lyric heavy because it's one of those you almost have to read along as you're listening to get everything but this was the one that i was just like you just listen I to love it. this. Yes. I love like, that. This is just butter to my ears, if I, always. If I recall, I think this actually was the single off of this album, well, but no, I don't lead single. I don't know for sure. I mean, this was 2007, and 2008. I, I could see that because I, I could hear that one particularly on the radio. Like yeah. I could hear that one like being somewhere, especially in 2008. And talking about is lyrics, this the one that's like. Um, no, this no, one's slow. This is slow. Okay. This is like one this of the first the fir- times the you first hear the acoustic ballad, guitar. Basically. I I always get the first like three four songs kind of mixed up with each other because well, this is number four. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just gonna play just the beginning. Sorry. Um, there it was. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know what it is. And it is the first first time, um, you know, I feel like they can show off their versatility, like what they yes, have the yes. potential to do. And it was the first time that I said, that boy can sing. Um, he doesn't he doesn't <laughs> like, try. He we just got that, I, we got that those last two like long. And I was like, that's not easy. He's doing that in chest voice. That is not a simple thing to do at all. And he's doing it forever. I definitely <laughs> um, I. Uh, the longer I've listened to it, I used to be huge on the more like rock and roll tracks. But as I have gotten older and listened to this over and over again, I think the ballads are everything. They're all like, they're the best written songs. They're the ones that make the most sense. Like, yeah, I think, I think the rock and roll songs are almost more to kind of show the band playing as a unit rather than like, you know, so much is focused on his lyrics. It gives them a chance to kind of show off that they can play too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, oh, it's interesting that um, you had trouble, you know, kind of connecting with this album. Um, and yet you say that you gravitate anything toward death. While, while Walita is outright death, this album is riddled with death imagery. Yeah. Fully, and absolutely. To, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. This, but, but like I said, this was like, 
once I looked up the lyrics, then I was connecting with what was going on in I the see. song. This is the one that hit me without me having to do that. Yeah. yeah. Like, and that's always a special thing for me is if you can get catch my attention without me having to listen to it over yeah. and over this, again and look it up and this figure is out not what a, you're saying. <laughs> like, this was the one. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. This is this is not a band that you can just like listen to it once and be no. like, yeah. And I love that. I usually love that. Like, yeah. that's why I love mm-hmm. Panic at the Disco. That's why mm-hmm. I love those kinds of bands because it's just, it's very lyric heavy. You don't catch it all at once. Like I have to go, what is that? Yeah. Let me look that up. And yeah. then I go, that's brilliant. You know what I mean? That's what I did with most of this album, but this is the one that just hit me in the face yeah. without me having to do any of that extra. Yeah. And that was special to me. Mm. I was like, that, this is a special song. Love that. Um, I, I'm just going to point out a lyric in this one, too, because I'm going to for all of them. <laughs> My favorite stanza was this one. Thursday, shuffling feet on your cemetery lawn, weeping uh. about your skin in your sleep. You just slid it off just so you could get dressed up in this, in this, your nightgown of oak, your ribbons of roots. <sighs> Goddamn. Beautiful. Yep. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. See, I heard that and I immediately went, <gasps> we're at a funeral. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I immediately knew where we were Vividly. at. Vividly. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> oh, terrific. Um, but then uh, we leave the funeral and we want to talk about all the feelings he's feeling. <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk about, talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let's talk about, talk about. Yeah. <laughs> it's the song of many similes. It's the song of many similes. And let me tell you, I found this song delightful. <laughs> Honestly, yes. I love this song. Delightful. It's like, so funny. I loved this. And this was the song that made me think of this band with Panic at the Disco. This is the first oh, one with the lyrics that yeah, I Yeah, I guess. This is full on that album. Like, it's just because it's just the play it's on cheeky. words. It's so great. Oh, man. All equipped with a mustache and a windowless van. <laughs> what is the full line? Um, um, you're like a knock at a door at the door in the middle of dinner from the friendly uh, registered sex offender. From a friendly mm-hmm. registered sex offender, all fi- equipped with a mustache and a windowless van. You're telling me how much you've changed. I'm trying to hide my crayons, <laughs> and no, you can't come in. No, I, the first time I heard this, so this no, this was the single. I'm sorry, this was the single off of this oh, album. Oh wow, okay, well, yeah. Then I, then I have a question. Uh, no, no. Continue with I also have a question. The first time I heard this song, like. I thought the rest of the album was like schizophrenic lyrically. And then this song came on <laughs> and I was like, what in the fuck is happening in this? All over the place. Um, I think the single from the first album, um, small talk, I think is the name of it. Um, small steps, heavy. Hooks. No, but I think the name of the song, the single oh, is small I see. talk. Excuse me. Excuse me. Um, but I think this song is a, like continuation of that song. Uh-huh. And it is also batshit. <laughs> but again, uh, as far as like visual lyricism, this is like the epitome of the whole album. Clear as day. For sure. But also, <laughs> I do, as much as I loved this song, I had just one little like stupid thing. Just stupid. Huh. It is so many lyrics. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's super yeah. lyric heavy. This is my own yeah. like like what's his name Ian Metzger. Uh-huh. Bruh, question. Are you listening? <laughs> so many lyrics, right? Okay. Did we have to add eight bars of la di da di da and then another <laughs> eight bar instrumental break to make this song ridiculous? Like that's the only that's my only thing. I went. Are you are we kidding? 
trying are, super hard to immediately kidding? not trying why at does all. This song ha- why did we have to stretch this out? Did you have like a, a limit you had to hit? <laughs> <laughs> like how many Man. words you had to put it? I it just got me. And that that's the thing. Old, that's like, only at least though. at least most of the songs you can kind of get at what he's talking about. There's nothing. No, this one's just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, and I think that it's it's in a great way surreal for the sake of being surreal. But yeah. like, I just, like what the fuck is going on with you, man? It sounds <laughs> kind of like a fight, which is maybe yeah. why we can't like really get into it because we we're not a part of that fight. We can only just watch from the outside and from the outside fights look fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, so, but in the moment, but when you're, you're in full it, of passion, you get every word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the reason I say that is there's a lyric, uh, that says, um, uh, I said, Oh God damn it. You're so mean. You say <laughs> I'll lose the Christian crowd. If I say things like these, um, which is alluding to, um, his, being in a wasn't Ian Metzger in yeah, a Christian yes, band in the nineties? Well, I don't know if it was the nineties, but that he did a Christian band before okay. Deer in the Headlights, and he was hesitant to do Deer in the Headlights because he had a really bad experience with the Christian band. Uh huh. I see. I see. But I'm sure that was a little bit of a kick at the the crowds that he used to have to deal with. I'm sure. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> A Christian band, like how? Okay. Can you imagine him writing lyrics for Christian? I can technically, yeah. yes. No. Yeah, absolutely. There are a lot of oh, uh, there's a lot of religious and biblical. I mean, drunk like drunk, Bible talks. Yeah, Come right, on, right. Um, there's some references in there. Mm-hmm. I just that'd be a crazy ass Christian band. The best Christian band. Ever. Um, yeah. I just wanted to point that out. That's all I have to say for that. Um, my favorite line in that one is, uh, I, there's a lot of them, but I think my favorite one for sure is the, I got those rolled back eyes, but nothing's clouding my vision. Because mm-hmm. he's a passed out priest at an AA meeting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Checking my pulse, trying to make a decision. Um. Oh, okay, hold on. Is this the one? I was going to say, lyrically, that was one of the things that stood out to me. Like I, I think I said, I wasn't super sold on this album. Yeah, but I did know I was like, there is a lot of lyricism going on. There's an awful <laughs> lot of it. An awful and like, lot of it. Specifically, my and note was, was it was a throwback to like it is very much similar lyricism to structure wise, like to emo music, and yeah. really specifically that like late nineties, early two yeah. thousands, like that sort of winding, like, yeah, long-winded it, emo kind of music. I say that affectionately. Yeah, but. it's a really, like, I felt like it was a really good fusion of what was happening in indie music at that time and then that 90s emo stuff. Yeah, it like, which was probably why they put him on such a pinnacle because yeah, he really uh-huh. was doing a good job of extending a hand across the gra- like gap and being like, so technically I'm moving into indie, but and I think that's what I still latched on to. Still got that emo kind of thing going on too, my still guy. Still got some moods. Catch I think me that's on what that. I latched on to um, <laughs> in high school because I just didn't like emo music, like the the two thousands emo music. Two thousands emo. And Very different I just from late nineties, early two thousands. Right, and I I just wasn't really into it. And I found this band, and I was like, well, they're like kind of doing what everyone else is doing, but it's like happier it's poppier and the lyricism is completely different i think that's one reason i love this and i think i said that to you the other night like it's like 
full of rage, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, like it's a blast yeah, for me. Ian, Ian Metzger describes these songs as just being pop songs. Like he just looks at them as pop songs. And, I, you know, to a degree they are. But I think that to me that's one thing that always stood out with him is that <laughs> indie music's like catchy. Like it, It's not always catchy. It's just kind of like repetitive sometimes, especially like that the Strokes, Shins era of indie music. And these guys were wild, buck wild. This, I think, is my favorite song. Flowers from my brain. No, bitch. Saintly well, Rose. All, all of that. Yes. Saintly Rose. Saintly oh, Rose. Oh, yes. oh. You know what, Brandon? I'm really glad that you said that. Why? Because I have a very serious question for you. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Are you ready? Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell's this song about? <laughs> Paranoia. Yes. It's about your demons yes. and how they just come and go, but you never know when they're going to come back. Um, which is why musically, right, it all drops out um, towards like the end. And it goes, and it's just him singing. You hear like the kick, right? And he says, oh, 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 oh. Right? And he does that little mm-hmm. bit. And then the band comes like, yeah, they come blasting back in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those are the demons. Musically, back. I loved it. That's, the what, demons. that's what I yes. just didn't. I just kept going. Yeah, yeah. And this is now my favorite track. Like after listening to it for years and years, this is my favorite. This is the track. one. Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. God. Yeah. Um, Has my favorite lyrics on the album, which is the um, "Cover your mouth, sound trickles down, dro- drooling yes. vibrations in an empty room." Yes. Um, I just, I just. That's such a strong image that's so I've never heard something described like that um and I, when I'm looking up the lyrics on genius.com um someone pointed out that this is the way um they write you know music first Jewish yeah. lyrics and then uh-huh. they fill it in later um and someone else points out uh the lyric uh caskets for hands bury your plans right next to your songs when t-shirt uh vending is how you spend your time uh, out come the gaunt ghosts of your thoughts. They're shrieking in prose, breathing rhymelessness, archaic gloom. Um, and essentially, the the annotator, I suppose, um, guy doing the annotation, pointed out that they were not enjoying their run during the second album. Like yeah. their first album, kind of put them in the spotlight, and then they're they're. Um, like in the music business now, and they did a yeah. ton of, yes. of touring and opening. Yes, they for did. These major acts. So right, that was like yeah, that and was taking a lot of. I think of one that I specifically read was they did like four sets at South by Southwest. Yeah, Lord. Yeah, which is just like one big like. I mean, all South by Southwest is like a huge crowd of people who are in the music industry. Yeah. This was... Um, kind of showcasing themselves as best as they can. And they're putting I them on a I pedestal. I think I read it referred to as a circle jerk, really. And I was like, well... That's funny. I guess I've never been to South by Southwest. I, I probably uh, would hate yes. it if I went. But that's part of like why <laughs> Maybe I, it is a circle jerk. <laughs> I think that's part of why this album has stuck with me for so long, because their story is one that scares me to death, because... I, I look they at They were it. set up so much to be a flash in the pan well, is the thing. They put out that first album, and I think most of the hype around them was very much like, they're pretty cool, but also it seemed like they didn't it's have not, the it's firepower not even that. to go all the way through. It's not even that. It's the 
it's the thought that they like love music so much they like were really kicking ass but they started succeeding and that's what tore them apart because they started realizing like the more that they grew they had to get publicists and they had to get managers and like it became so a lot much, more work. Yeah, it, it's became so much more than them just writing music because they love writing Sometimes music. Sometimes turning your passion, your hobby, into like yeah. a paying gig actually fucking sucks. Right, yeah. and that's why it, it it's something I'm afraid it will happen to me because I have thoughts a lot of the time of just like God, this is so much fucking work. Like, yeah, how the fuck can I do this for the rest of my life? You don't like putting the pressure on yourself to survive, right? Well, it's not even surviving. Like you can grow a following and not tour and all this kind of stuff. But like, if you want money, you have to do all of these things. Mm -hmm. You have to make yourself part of the, the, it's a commitment. The machine. Yeah. 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 And if you're someone who writes from life experiences <laughs> yes. and you're not having life experiences, you're just spending your entire time doing this. Yeah. What is the point? You said right. the machine. Colton, were you in a band? Didn't you have a song called The Machine? I did. I added it to my favorite <laughs> songs. I liked it. <laughs> I loved Afro that song, Jam actually. Yeah. That's there's a little bit of this feeling mixed up in there. <laughs> so well yeah. I that's as I get older and I get, you know, inching further along into doing a music career, this, I just, it's always on my mind. Just like, what happens if I fucking hate this? And like, I've built my entire fucking life around this. And like, what happens if I hate it? <laughs> you know? Call Ian Metzger. <laughs> Let's hang out, my dude. <laughs> How did you cope? Help me. Um, I'll help you cut down the word count a little bit. <laughs> we'll even it out. We'll meet in the leave middle. Leave his word count alone. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing a fine job. He is. He's a great songwriter. He's um, one of my favorites. Par example, flowers for my brain. Yes. Oh. Another wonderful. Um, take a step back. Let's chill out a little bit. Song. Mm. Um, oh man. Oh, you know what? I have questions about this. No, n- wait. No, I don't have questions about this. <laughs> Sorry. Excuse me. Are, um, you, are you looking up a lyric for this or what's the. I'm just look. I'm looking at the lyrics. Do you uh, have a thing? Go ahead. Well, um, this one, I, uh, I just love the lyrics on it. Like, I think as a, as a ballad, it's like kind of predictable, but, um, man that the the ending of the song with the swirling and blissful blissfully reckless visions of all our blue yes. that whole that is like just fine songwriting like this whole this song for me is it's it's talking about madness it's you know like someone losing their mind and like the euphoric side of it rather than the um i don't know what the, the opposite word is but euphoric side of of losing your mind is what what this song has always struck me i used to think that it was like when i was in high school i thought it was a love song but i was so totally wrong Mm. (laughs) the line whistling past the graveyard all i can think of is tom waits oh yeah i get real hung up on that (laughs) um you know i kind of thought it was a love song too because it seems like it's sort of like this is a person he's reconnecting with or like talking to again. Um, I, I but 
thoughts on this, but continue. Okay, yeah. Um, uh, the, the line, now we're sneaking out the back door of our American minds, all that, that whole bit. It seems like they're saying, fuck the traditional way of doing things. We're going to do things our own way. Maybe that's in reference to the band. Um, there's also a line that says, I ask why you're smiling every time you see me, said I remind you of a joke. I think you might be actually onto something. Um, there's no point in taking ourselves so seriously. And I feel like that, like, kind of clues into the listener that, it, yes, you're witnessing the death of the band. You're witnessing the death of this whole thing. Um, but there is a happy ending. There, the, It's going to wrap up nicely. So don't you worry. Don't you fret your pretty little ears. I, um... You did thought what? Took it that way too. The, the especially after here's the deal is that flowers from my brain where that's from is almost an answer to um the ver- to Willetta. Yeah, yeah, I've I've thought that myself. Like it's yeah. it's it's kind of like the post post grieving moment when you're mm-hmm. like, okay, I I need to let this go. I need to take a minute and realize that this moment is fine, uh-huh. and this is where we're at. And we need to enjoy this because we're not going to have it for very much longer. I, so I, I saw it as the answer to Willetta. Like, I felt like that was a continued conversation. That makes sense. So different interpretation. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, as I've listened to this more and more, um, I, I kind of have more equated it to there is this this struggle within Ian Metzger of um, wanting to wanting to be this version of people that that like see him, but like there is he, he's like longing for escape, and that's where all the madness and all this stuff comes in from. Is like there are these things that are creeping in the back of his mind, and he knows he shouldn't lean into it, but the more he does it becomes like this more beautiful like thing that just keeps drawing you into it. Um, and I thought, especially the, the idea of him um, whistling past the graveyard is him like trying to ignore those things. Yeah. It's ever present in his mind. Like death is like right there. Yeah. It's right there, but you're trying to have a good time. Yeah. Even though you see it out of the corner of your eye. Right. But you're trying to have a good time. <laughs> it's like this this But it, it's there. It's the it's like the blissful uh recklessness. It's like this this willful ignorance of like everything yeah. is crashing down around me, but like I'm just gonna pretend like it doesn't bother me at all. I think it's a much more like personal struggle for him than it is for the band necessarily. Mm-hmm. I see. Not an important story, but one time I was riding my bike past the graveyard with some friends and we were trying to drive by like really fast and my friend ran into me and I wrecked my bike real bad. <laughs> were you okay? I was pretty fucked up. I thought I was going to have a permanent like uh, imprint on one of my titties from like where <laughs> I hit the handlebar, <laughs> but I don't, so it's fine. <laughs> Well, that's that's good. I'm so happy for you. What's interesting is that your theory can be directly put into our theory, though. Yeah, they sort of all have this like 
interplay. Yeah. yeah. Because there there is, I mean, other. honestly, you know, we're getting we're getting older and the, the idea of death is sort of more relevant, <laughs> I'll be real honest. Continues to <laughs> become bigger and bigger <laughs> in our yeah. minds. It's like, you know, we're people close to us are now dying. Like people yeah. who are a generation from us are now dying. Like it's becoming a real thing now that we're not gonna be 17, 20, 25 forever. Right. Like this we're is not for real. these thirty one. And, and if you let and if you let that <laughs> that idea really creep in it's paralyzing like you almost have to ignore that it's going to happen yeah to to enjoy what's happening now i look forward to it mm. oh i i i lean into <laughs> it and go into a full-on depression for 24 hours <laughs> i'm just like what like i have these moments where i'm just sitting there and i go Oh my god, I'm gonna die! <laughs> like I'm not gonna be here. I'm ready to leave uh, this painful body behind. It hurts. Everyone's gonna smells. miss me. I will be free one day. <laughs> I, <laughs> no, I say, who's gonna miss me? Is everybody else gonna be dead first? Am I gonna die last? Like I need to know these things. <laughs> who's gonna plan my funeral? Oh my god, I'm not having kids. What's going on? Like <laughs> you plan your funeral. I plan my funeral. You plan your own funeral. That's what you do, and you look forward to it. That's right. And coming to America too. Um, James Earl Jones oh, God. plans his own funeral and then witnesses his own funeral and then promptly dies at his he's, funeral. He's like propped up in the casket, like watching everything. And then, and watching the, Salt and Peppa and In Vogue and Morgan Freeman. He looks he, dancing. He looks at Eddie Murphy and goes, "I'm going to die now." Dies. Nice. <laughs> I love I that. Love it. I, okay, I'm gonna watch this <laughs> movie. I love that. Watch it. Happening. Listen, I, yeah, it you know it's it's not a groundbreaking film, but it's it's a good one. Yeah, it's it's pretty fun. It's solid. Uh, Leslie Jones is in it, and yes, I love a Leslie huge Jones. Leslie Jones fan. Like she wasn't great on SNL, but she's great. She's everywhere so else. funny though. Yes. Yeah, she's a blast. I think I watched that thing that you recommended. It was in the group chat one time. It was that like about 2020, and she's in it, and she, <laughs> she's like the best part of it. She's so funny. She's like. She's like this psychi psychiatrist, psychologist, yeah, 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 whatever, yeah. talking about like human interaction. She's like, humans, they need to interact with other humans. It's like a part of nature. So when, you know, we were quarantined and we couldn't interact with other humans, it was painful. Not for me, though. My God, it was bliss for me. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, well, now it's over. Not the podcast. We're talking about the track. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, Some nice writing, Brandon. <laughs> right from here. Just right off that chrome right dome. Yep. Oh, no. Um, so, uh, what is over? Well, it I don't know. His whole life, because the only thing I had, the only thing I wrote down on this is why are you yelling at me? Why? Are you <laughs> screaming in. Like every time it popped on, I said, no. <laughs> So that was a little Bob Dylan y. Um, <laughs> it was. I get Thank you. Um, yeah, so what's over? Do you know Colton? I, honestly, trying to sell this, this album to us. This is one that I have not listened to as much. It's it's not really one of my favorites. You skip oh, it. yelling at you. Mm. Wow. Huh? What's yelling at you? <laughs> I don't know. This one, I just, I never really quite got attached to it. Uh, it's not that I dislike it. Um, I don't know. Just, just I think with this interpretation of like flowers for my brain being the answer to Willetta and this whole like thing of like, oh, do I want to do this band or not? This is like the final solution, right? This is yeah. him going, that was poor phrasing. This is him saying, um, <laughs> 
scratch that. <laughs> Cut it. Um, this is this is the solution for his problems. He's said, "Well, we're just gonna we're just gonna stop doing this band." That's it. That's it. This is what stresses me out. So we're done. <laughs> um, a line I went I would like to read. Mm. He killed her. Melissa's dead. Melissa's dead after that final solution (laughs) commentary. We're we're that kind of podcast, folks. (laughs) Please excuse me while I put my foot in my mouth. Yes, thank you for the Foley. This, this is, is where we need the, the sound yes, effect. There's a soundboard. Oh, God damn it. I, just <laughs> I would like to read a line from this song. <laughs> Please do. She's not going to recover. So we need going we on without well Goodbye. Um, hold on, wait. Uh, oh, fuck. What is it? Um, oh, okay. Too many amputated feelings you can't reattach with words. Uh. I love that line. Mm-hmm. I love it. I couldn't tell you what it means, but I love it. Um, but the reason I say it's like uh, it's him saying we're done with the band. There's a line that says uh, transient schemes, thread bare scenes. Oh, God, I can't read my own handwriting. And still no wherewithal. Um, nicotine walks, nervous talks, constantly trading palms. Oh, supply and demand. Um, talking about the business, right? He's it's, yeah. uh, Every time he goes out to smoke a cigarette, he's always ha- he always has to be talking to somebody. Yep. He's always shaking hands, making deals, making trades, whatever. You're yeah. always, uh, you know, working. On. Always working. Always on. Always on the clock. Yes, yes. Um, networking is what they call it. Uh, so, yeah, exactly. He's building his web, which is why in this business is so soul sucking to the point you really are no one. Um, and life's just lonely. You know, I think this song, it's so like. You know, it's telling you straight ahead, you know, basically you're nobody. No one cares about you. Yeah. But like it's in the most like celebratory way possible. Yeah. It's like you're no one. Isn't Good that for great? you. Isn't that great? You don't have to live up to any standards or expectations. Yeah. You're no one. And life is just lonely. It's just that's the way it is, bitch. Yeah. Yeah. For some, this is like the most like plain spoken he is. I think on this album is this song. I think maybe that's why I like the song within the context of everything else. It's like, it's yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now, it, nobody has anything about now it's over. I do have questions about the next one. Parallel lines. Hmm. Parallel lines. <laughs> Um, are they in Italy? And here's why I'm asking. (laughs) He says, Vesuvius looks ashamed that he ever lost his mind and that people now spend time excavating his rage. Mount Vesuvius is the volcano that wiped out Pompeii. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are they in Italy? Is that what's going on? I don't know. 
Or maybe it's just a really great, uh, what's the term, allegory? Mm. Well, he also says, okay, all the dead still hold it. Nope, nope, that's not it. Where is it? Um, As we drag our Western talks down thousand-year-old blocks, and then later he says, we walk through ancient gates. Okay. That would maybe be a good reference to Italy. I just wanted to make sure that I was Were they touring Europe at the time? Did they tour Europe? Do you know? I don't know, to be honest. What were they doing, Colton? That would sort of make sense. Well, not really. That makes no sense at all. But also, this song weirdly reminded me, like, I kept thinking I would not be surprised if I had heard, like, Paul McCartney sing this song. Oh. Like, there was something about the vibe and the instrumentals that was very, like... I could hear that. Very Paul McCartney-esque. In a good way. Yeah. In a great way. But it was like, I, I would not have been surprised if I had heard him sing that song. Yeah. It'd be kind of a weird Paul McCartney song. It would. Be, Lyr- be... <laughs> lyrically, yes. Yeah. I'm talking definitely more. Yeah, musically. More yeah. musically, for sure. But it just caught me off guard because that's so not the vibe of the whole rest yeah. of the album. Now you're just giving me like a dream cover that I'm never going to hear. <laughs> Paul, you got to do it. You know, Paul McCartney's on TikTok, Colton. Yeah, well, good for Paul McCartney. Oh. Wow. Wow, yeah, it is good for Paul McCartney. He is reaching Listen, a new audience. Yeah, <laughs> he Senator doesn't Paul even McCartney. need to. <laughs> Gordon Ramsay's also on TikTok. Oh my god, I he <laughs> my I. <sighs> he's just losing his mind at people like doing their own like recipe videos. Yeah. He's like, oh, what are you doing? He's just freaking out. But then in juxtaposition, his daughter has a TikTok and has him on there regularly doing just the cutest dumb shit. <laughs> That's so great. On the planet Earth. So great. Derailed. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> Parallel ones. Para- <laughs> Paul McCartney, Italy. Yes. Um, you about to say something? No. I don't know what else to say about this. Other than like, are they in fucking Italy? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think this one is really. I don't know. I don't. I've never really had much to say about this one. It's a pleasant song. This feels like a song that he wrote like over coffee in his hotel room just for bullshits and giggles. Played it for everybody, and they said that's really pretty, and it ended up on the album. That's yeah. what it sounds like. Like it, it sounds very specific. Like it was about a specific thought. I think this is more like a moment uh, in time that he experienced. It it makes sense to them, perhaps, because they were in the moment. They kind of it's an inside joke a little bit. I think uh, it also gives a little dose of optimism um, in in the latter half of the album. That is uh, pretty dark. Yes, it's vague enough for it not to stick out as not part of this album, but it's also. It just feels like that so- that song that you he wrote on a napkin and didn't expect for any right. it to ever be recorded. Sort of. Yeah, thing. yeah. Um, the last stanza, if I may, um, out by parallel lines because he just talks about like waiting for the train. Out by parallel lines, I try to make sense of the strange pulsing there in my wrist, but you don't bother to guess. You're not confused to be blessed. You're just smiling, so thankful to exist, exist, exist. Um, and I kind of took that to mean that. You know, he's an overthinker. He writes yeah. uh, wordy kind of pretentious lyrics and he calls himself out uh, for those pretentious lyrics in a few songs. Yeah. Um, but this other person, this other character in this song is just living life. He's in now he's like taking that example. He's like, oh, oh, OK. So I want to I want to I want to walk with you. I want to be a parallel to you. I want to I want to do that. 
Yeah. Um, he, um, this, uh, the, the whole feeling of just like, um, wanting to shut your brain off. I think he gets that pretty well in this song. Yes. Um, I, you know, obviously I've never met Ian Mesker, but I can imagine he's an overthinker. <laughs> uh, no shit. And just the whole thought of, um, him just being like, man, I wish I could just not think about things. I wish I could just enjoy and not just be constantly plagued by self-doubt. And Yeah. And as this song quietly exits, we slam into If Not For My Glasses, which I have nothing written down for. I love this song. You love this song. <laughs> I do. Why? I do love this song because, okay, well, I, I don't know if it, ha- I don't know how y'all took it. Mm. But I took it as a straight up love letter to his mom. His mom. Oh. oh. Straight up. And let me tell you why. In particular, um, oh no, I'm not going to get it. There's a couple of lyrics that just uh, refer directly to it, like to a parental figure. To a parental figure, for sure. I have them here. Do, Do you have wanna... them here? Okay. Yeah. Where it says, and then you leaned into me and whispered rather softly, your feet don't fit the branch. Oh. This whole song is about like having to basically get on your own feet, but hmm. still having that like unconditional backing. Yeah. Like if it weren't for my glasses and my hair. And yeah. and a lot of people refer to their moms as their, their eyes. Okay. Have you ever heard that? I've heard it in a, a few different songs too. And then it's kind of at the end. Um, Oh crap! Where did it go? Oh, it's gone. Never mind. That lyric makes sense too. And like now that you've pointed out the your feet don't fit the branches, and the image of him falling down down the stairs, and somebody's taking pictures of him as he falls down the stairs. Um, oh, here we go. This is what what really got me about this. It made me maybe go. This is about a parent for sure. So I opened up the door. I know now what you're for. Oh. And there's a moment when you become an adult where you kind of look at your parents a different mm-hmm. way. Uh, and, then, and then it went into the branch one, and I said, oh, for sure, this is a parental figure. Very interesting. I did not even, not even a little bit get I've there. just always loved the sound of this song. It's very, oh, it's beautiful. very peppy and like... Buoyant. Wait, is that the correct word? The rhythm of the... That just gets in my head all the time. And it's kind of simple. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. It's not overly complicated, which is a great answer to the song we just heard. Um, yeah. And I don't know. I just like to point out that like the titles just seem to be there just so they can like have a title to a song. It yeah. seems like he, he picks out, it's not necessarily about the song. He just picks out a lyric and like slaps it on the title. Yeah. Like, so that's it. That's what it is. Okay. Um, what was it? All right. So we get right out of, if not for my glasses, we go right into the last sort of like slow, Ballady song, try. Um, and you know, you've been talking about like, um, you know, hit the the last one you thought he was kind of talking about his mom. We've been talking about the band. At first, I wrote down that this song was the end of a relationship because I don't know if that's just like the first easy thing that 
I don't know, but now it seems like he's talking about something else. But I don't know what. Yeah, I've hmm. I've always still viewed it as a relationship. Yeah. Um. I think mostly um, this song. So for me personally, this song did not really hit me um, until I had like my first like real breakup. Yeah. Um. And I mean, I didn't move 400 miles away, but like. <laughs> Are you still staring at the floor? I was for a while. It, just that feeling of like trying to get away from something and not being able to. It just follows you around like a rain cloud. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I guess my reason for thinking it was about a relationship. Um, he says, you know, move 400 miles away. I'm still staring at the floor. And you and I bond over the lyric. Um and feeling useless as a mime in a counseling session. Here's yeah. a million mute expressions. Here's the one where I choke on my words. Insinuating that, like, perhaps he's seeking help for whatever this is, like trying to communicate um, because there is lack of communication. Um, and then it's really interesting because he says, then in comes the church with the answers. Um, and it seems a little, like, snarky, a little sarcastic. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. Now, Especially if you grew up in the kind of church where they all there are a lot that exist where they think that mental health is not a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um and especially I didn't know until researching this that he was in a Christian band beforehand. So that makes sense. Yeah. And I'm sure that he probably has turned to religion a few times in his life to try and help him with some of the things that he has going on with him, but probably hasn't helped him from what the sounds of it anyway yeah this almost felt in a weird way like um like a goodbye with making amends almost like like they've already not been together like if we're talking about a relationship like they've already not been together for a while he's been working on things and yeah. then this is him being like i'm really leaving now yeah. But I need exactly. to say these things to you before I go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he literally says, sorry, I thought it could work. Yep. Um, yeah. Man, and the the end when he's singing, I still want to try, and his voice, like, breaks a few times. Oh, God. Okay. It gets me. Oh, God, I would have taken one break, but I did not need break on every goddamn time. <laughs> Okay, there was like the first one I was like, oh, that's nice. And the second one I was like, okay. So, and then I was like, oh, we're really doing this every time. <laughs> we're really doing it every time vocally. Really? It's really happening. I don't know why. Whatever. And I think it only drove me crazy because it actually, for me personally, took away from the emotion on that first break mm. because he can, because it was just over and like over he's again. Trying so it felt repetitive. So hard. Like it felt like a, a, a gimmick versus an actual emotion. Does I, that make sense? I think yeah. he was I mean obviously I don't know his intention but like I think it was more so going for a rhythmic effect than it was emotional which makes sense but it came over like it was that it was a yeah. break like it, yeah. it came over like he like an, like cracked. an intentional break yeah, and and know. then it happened every time and I think that's what took away from mm. the impact of the first time for me I don't know I've always loved the way he sings it so that's mm. just my but yeah I can I can see what you're saying um, but also, I personally have a pet peeve about breaking like that. Yeah. On purpose. Um, She's like, oh, what are you doing? Do you know what you're doing to your voice right now? Okay, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. I mean, fine. listen to the rest <laughs> of his... You know. The rest of his singing. This man, if he 
had continued singing this way for the rest of his life, he would have blown those vocal cords. For sure, for he, sure. He is, I mean, it sounds good, but he is like just belting it. You know, I'm not song. giving him great, great, great props on his technique on anywhere else right. in this album at all. Right. But this particular thing just made me go, why? But yeah, I, I, I think it's that this is the song that really defines that underlying current of optimism, I think. Yeah, because this song especially is the most like bitter and sad, I think. But he still wants to try. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I don't hate you. This is just not. This isn't working anymore. Right. Yeah. And I think it, it's it's kind of funny to me too because I think there's always this with that song. He wants to try, and he doesn't like specify like what he wants to keep trying. But I think it's to be happy is like the, the invisible tagline yeah you know and i don't know there's something it's just uh, most of the time songs like this i feel like have a tendency to come off as a little cheesy or like corny or something whiny and for me yeah whiny and i think there's still a degree of that in this song but it's just real it's very real and that I that's what I've always appreciated about it. It's like this guy actually went through something and you can like feel that. Yeah. Something that's relatable. Yeah, something profound, really. Yeah. Um Yeah. So he ruins his voice at the end of the song. And then we go <laughs> into Thank you for eating the microphone before you <laughs> We go into the final track, which is I Know. Um and it Sounds like two separate songs, mm-hmm. honestly. This has always been the weirdest one because of the the like drum intro part of it. Mm-hmm. It just seems kind of so weird. I'm going to play it because I don't know what you're talking about. Just just the just the beginning. Yeah. It's that it's the beginning is what I'm talking about. Oh, and then the drums come in. Yeah. Like in the, okay. Yeah. Okay. Because it's it's no other drum part on this album sounds like that. Yeah. And it, it's just kind of it's a different vibe than everything else that's going on. Yeah. Um. In between, like, um, I know you care. I've grown so tired of not being there, so I'm cutting off familiar happenings. That little like bridge, that you know connects the two songs essentially together. It is so dramatic, uh-huh. <laughs> like scary. Um, it could probably not one of the darkest points in the album, but like, it's, I, I don't know. It just, it, I get, I, I swell up with emotion. I'm just getting so like, but then it goes into the it, optimism is of that. With all the, um, oh no, no. I'm thinking of uh saintly Rose, the like crazy piano stuff. That's, oh, no, yeah, yeah, that's saintly Rose. Yeah. Um, this um i don't know how to describe this um but you know once it goes out of that scary whatever it changes key um and then you start to hear like other people um sort of in the background as like a like a soundscaper i feel like um ambiance i don't know what i'm trying to say um but yeah for the first time there are other people around um and then he sings, you know, these last two lines. Um, Conjuring up my melancholy. No, that can't go on. Yada, 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 yada. Um, and it's, it's 
don't be dramatic. This, this ain't the, the movies. movies. Turn the camera off. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's um the one moment of true like optimism, happiness. Like mm-hmm. we we did not solve everything, but it is okay. We're gonna keep going. It's fine. Yeah, I I just love it, and I love that that's the ending of it. Yeah. Can I can I just real fast throw out my favorite line from this song because uh, I think please. it means a lot. Uh, and all that distance that we dispatch won't ever help us feel less alone. Ah, hello. That's the one. That's the moral of the story. Yeah. Yes. This is the yes, one. I'm glad you pointed that. This out. is the one that brings the whole thing together. Yes. It really does. It is. It is a perfect ending. And the fact that they repeat it with like you know everybody mm-hmm. is singing. It puts a smile. It puts a smile on your face after all this like dark, depressing shit that's happening. Yes, <laughs> and it's kind of like telling you not, don't take yourself too seriously either. Like, whatever you have emotions, it's fine, but it's gonna be okay. It's yeah. going to be okay. You're gonna get through it. Yeah, I. So th- this started in like late high school for me, but um, I have really grown into loving albums that like. Um, someone talks about like personal growth in it. Mm. Um, and also like talk, thinking about themselves dying, getting older and things like that. Um, this album and, uh, another one by a band called Stray Light Run, which you and I have talked about before. Uh, <laughs> I've heard, I'm trying to think of the song from that compilation album, American Music for the European uh, Vacation um, that you made for me. Take it to Manhattan. Take so. it to Manhattan, because I don't want... Yeah, okay. <laughs> anyway, um, mm. I started... I Since high school, have just I, I run into these albums where someone is going through something, and they're always the ones that like stick with me the most. Um, and I think this one in particular, because I don't know the whole story, like since he is like kind of masking everything um it just always captivates me i don't know why i just i always keep coming back to it because it's like he tells you so much without giving you really anything yeah you know it's just kind of like loose images of what's happened to him and you kind of have to piece it together yeah it's great it's interesting the title drunk like bible times i don't quite know what it means i don't either but just having the the image of the bible um and how it has gone through so many interpretations throughout its its existence how um depending on what lens you're looking at the events like you know what book you're reading within the bible it's it, all over the place it's all over the place yeah. it's and, and it, the it's place. up for Drunk interpretation bible times because nothing is in order <laughs> Nothing is in order. Yes. Yeah. And I think maybe that's how he kind of wanted this album to be. Um, Like, it may be about, like, very, very, very specific things, but depending on who you are, what you've been through, um, you might might pull something else out of it. Yeah, this is, like, this is my main regret with why this band didn't get more attention, Not not necessarily because I think they should have, but for the fact that there's so much left untold in these songs and in the first album too, like what the inspiration was, you know, all that kind of stuff. And maybe there's, 
maybe that's the whole key to it. Maybe there really is no like big inspiration that he had. Maybe and he's just so damn good at writing off the top of his head that he manages to make these like effective images by accident, you know? I don't know. But that that's I I, I want to know more about his like songwriting process, but I don't think we ever will cuz I especially judging by the fact that he's only done like one that we that we know of done one album 10 years after this one. Yeah. You know, I think he's just going to be a guy that kind of fades into obscurity. And I think that's, he's fine with that. But like, I don't know. I just want to, I just want to know. We just want to know Ian. Hit us up, bruh. (laughs) Quellas. I don't know. Um, it would, it would honestly piss me off if someone was this good of a writer by accident. (laughs) Just dumb luck. Truly. I, cause it's just like, if it is, fuck you, man. Like, (laughs) come on. Leave some for the rest of us. Um, let me tell you a real fast story that made me hate everything about the arts. Okay. Barbara <laughs> Streisand did a freaking interview and they were talking to oh, her about how, <laughs> how she prepares for things. And if she sings at home, she doesn't sing at home. She doesn't sing in the shower. She doesn't sing in the car. She never sings anywhere. She doesn't consider herself a singer at all. She just opens her mouth and that comes out. Yeah, you told me Do you me know how infuriating that is? <laughs> like, lady, yeah. uh, really? That's great. Fucking babs. Good for you, babs. You're just an actress. It's fine. Well, there you have it. I am um, super glad we gave Deer in the Headlights some love because, um, yeah, you're the only other person, Colton, that (laughs) that has ever also heard that album. Um, Uh, And I'm glad we could bring you two in on this journey with us. I, I will say that I, I'm sure you both know by this point that it is not something that you just like listen to and fall in love the first time you hear it. But I do think it's one that's worth revisiting after you've been like away from it for a while. Cause I, when I first heard it in high school, I only really connected with like two of the songs on the album. Um, but as I've gotten older, I go back and I listen to it and there's always some new lyric that pops out to me. Just the way that it sounds, the way that it like, even sometimes the way that it just like fits in your mouth when you say it, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) It's epic poetry or damn near. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's worth coming back to, um, like pet sounds. I very much think it's kind of a love it or hate it kind of thing. Um, but this one, I, I think you can, you can come back to it and really find moments where you're like, you know what? Yeah, this is, this is really good. A taste that can be acquired. Maybe yeah. I'll fall in love with it next time. Maybe uh, we didn't sell Maybe you. Maybe now's not the right time. Maybe sometimes mm. that's what happens. Mm. I we'll hope see. so. I hope so. Yeah. But you did say you know you recognize him as a lyricist. As yeah. yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I can yeah. see the appeal behind it. Just overall listening to it as a song with the backing band, it didn't quite connect with me. Because, well, I mean, to reiterate, it sounded like everything else that me, I mean, you came over the other day and I was telling you, I was, li- I, because listening to this album, I had to go back and listen to, to uh, Airborne Toxic Event, which yes. is uh, an album or a band that was around that time. But like, really, if you look really deep into it, they are not related at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just similar, similar sound. sound, similar vibe. It's, it, this album hit me, um, 
in the last year or two, last year or two more so, um, specifically because it's so, there's not a lot of frills. Like it's just the band playing that. And even they don't really have that many effects pedals and stuff going on, which is so different than what bands sound like nowadays. Like they're entirely based upon their, their pedal boards a lot of the time. Um, and it's not even anything wrong with that. I just really appreciate that it's a lot more about the musicianship and the them playing as a unit. Like personally for me, like none of them really do anything super flashy, but they play together as a band amazingly well. Like they're so tight and like they accent everything perfectly, you know, they're, they're trying to, tell the story or amplify the story and not so much show off right exactly yeah it's about the music it's about the songs yeah Mm. yeah so that's that on that i hope you come around to it someday i hope you listen to it five years ten years (laughs) i'll let you know if i do Uh, you know before we all die of heat stroke and say wow you know what actually these guys they're all right (laughs) they're all right (laughs) The last thing I have to say before I die of heat stroke is I'm laying there with you. I say, Brandon Colton, deer in the headlights, those guys, they're all right. <laughs> yes. Dies. Oh, Dead. God. Dead. <laughs> R.I.P. Well, the next time we reconvene, um, we will be dissecting another, apparently, Obscure to America, I think. Because yeah. I feel like, you know, I, we said Definitely it earlier, America. he's an international star, but America does not know no. how great Mika is. Mm. Um, and Melissa is going to take us through Life and Cartoon Motion. Life and Cartoon, which is, was his first album, right? Yes. The day that was followed by The Boy Who Knew Too Much. Oh, that's right. Yes, it was. Which, I, which, if I could, I would just do both together. <laughs> we might have a part two later down the road. Stay tuned. <laughs> but for now, we are going through, uh, Melissa's going to take us through Mika's debut album, Life in Cartoon Motion. Um, yeah. Uh, I suppose that's it. Oh, Colton Cox. Um, oh. Tell the people where they can find you. Um, so I, I had a uh, single that just came out. Um, February 26th and this will be you know a couple weeks after that now at this point but um, it'll still be there you can find me on Spotify Apple Music iTunes all that stuff Um, what's the single called Colton As You Are is the name of the song beautiful it's Um, beautiful it's the best song he's ever written I'm just (laughs) as biased as I am that is my favorite song thank you there you you have it folks Um, Colton Cox on Spotify Apple Tunes all that stuff you just have to type in my name Apple Tunes Apple, Apple Tunes. Tunes. Apple Tunes. <laughs> Apple Tunes in the iMusic. <laughs> um, yeah. Fantastic. Um, all right. So until next time, stay safe. Um, I love you. And goodbye. Later, sluts. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
that's how this episode starts is just Melissa. <laughs> just quietly in the background. <laughs> okay. I'm Truly sorry. some of the best parts are the really quiet moments. Jeannie whispering, Melissa's kind of laughing. You broke the rules. You're a bad boy. <laughs> what? You said that last time. Last time I said that, yeah, Brandon. Oh, Brandon that's right. Broke that's the right. rules because you. That's right. I remember. I, it, it was like you, you were like, "I'm gonna boy. sneak one in." You're like, "This one came in a little late," and I was like, "You broke the rules." <laughs> <laughs> okay, are we ready? <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Got the giggles. Jesus. Off to a great start. Because she said it's not a dick. You don't have to hold it so close to your face. track is i'm not crying you're not crying are you yeah right. yes, she is crying <laughs> <I am> a- <laughs> oh, Lord. 